0: 10. We started last week looking at the commissioning or the sending out of the 70. Uh, Some versions will say 72, some say 70. That goes back to ancient translations. It doesn't really matter. I don't think the story falls apart for the lack of two people. Uh, The point is that Jesus had a bunch of people and he commissioned them and he sent them out into the world. I think we're at that place We've been talking about this a little bit where we're kind of gathered and I think we're on the edge of having an opportunity to be sent out into our community. We're on the edge, the cusp of being able to go rightio. What are we here for, God? We're building relationships with one another. We're we're building in terms of a gathering, things like that. We've got this vision for some bricks and mortar down the road. And we're fulfilling that, and God is, is encouraging us along that journey, going, yeah, this is me, keep going, keep going. But it's all for a bigger purpose. It's all for a bigger reason. See, when Jesus went around and he called the 12 to him, he had a vision at the end. It wasn't just that they would come and be with him, but right from the very start, he said, I'm going to send you back out into the community. That was part of the plan of Jesus, was to gather people to him he said, put it this way, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, come to me and I'm going to send you back out. That's how it works. We come to him and he works with us and in us and through us, but he sends us out. He keeps sending us out. Every day we get opportunities to be sent out by God. When you woke up this morning, it was God's tick of approval on you. When you woke up, God put his thumbs up to you and he said, I'm going to give you another day. Go out there. I'm going to give you another day. Go out there. That's what God's doing. And we wake up and we get this another day full of opportunity to achieve things, to do things, have conversations, to to invest in things, time, money, energy, encouragement. And every day, God gives us a big thumbs up and says, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make some of that count for the kingdom today. That's that's his promise to us. If we're following him, he said, he'll make us fishers of men. So in Luke chapter 10... (coughs) The story of Jesus sending out a bunch of people that have been following him. 70, 72, doesn't matter. They're following him and he commissions them and he sends them out. And last week we started talking about getting ready for the journey. It wasn't recorded um, because I'm not smart enough to know how to do that stuff. Uh, And I'm not going to pretend to go over it again right now. But I'll just give you a couple of points that we talked about last week, getting ready for the journey when Jesus talked to them and he told them, get ready to go. Here are some things he said. First thing is that we go ahead of God. He said, you're going ahead of me. He sent them into all the towns and villages that he himself was going to go to. And so we are very much sent ahead of God. We go ahead of God and we're sowing seeds and the Holy Spirit comes on and he waters those seeds. He does things with those conversations we have, with the, the, the trail. Now, I love... um. Um, Hansel and Gretel that story is that the one with the breadcrumbs where they drop the breadcrumbs and uh, the whole idea is that that then they'd be able to find their way (laughs) sort of back and I guess in one sense we're kind of dropping breadcrumbs and we're hoping those breadcrumbs that as people follow the trail it leads them to God It takes them to God, do our little bit here and there. We plant seeds and the Holy Spirit waters. God comes in after that conversation or after that moment. You know, sometimes we we wait for the big bang first. We want God to go first and then we'll jump on in. But he sits back and goes, no, you go first and then you'll see the miracle. Then I'll come on in. When the water's parted in the Red Sea, God actually said, put your feet in the water first, then I'll part it. We want to stand back and go, I want to see that water parted first, and then I'll put my feet in on dry land. It says, no, no, put your feet in the water, and then I'll part it. And miracle after miracle after miracle in the Bible, you'll see God speaking, man has to do something, and it activates this supernatural power of God, and God does things. And it's the same with mission, it's the same with reaching the world around us. God wants us to step out in faith, do things, have that conversation, start that conversation, offer to pray for that person, whatever, and then God comes on in, and that's when he begins to move and he does things. So we saw that we go ahead of God. The second thing we talked about was that we're to pray for workers. Jesus actually said, the harvest is plentiful, laborers are few, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Most of us spend most of our time praying for our lost friends, praying for our lost co-workers, praying for our lost family members, and we should do that, lift them up by name to God. But Jesus specifically said, don't just pray for them, pray for workers. Pray for workers to go to those places. Pray for workers to go to those people. And I wonder, How often when we get out of bed in the morning, how many of us this morning woke up and said, Lord, I'm praying for each member of Arise that you would send them out as workers into your harvest field. I know I didn't this morning. But yet Jesus said all these years ago, he said, you know what, the harvest is not the problem. There are people out there ready. It's the workers that are the problem. So let's pray for one another. Let's pray for labourers to be sent into the harvest field. This is what Jesus said. We go before him. Uh, We pray for workers. Thirdly, we go out in faith. He said, don't take money bags, all this stuff. Don't take all that. He said, go out and trust me. I'm your provider. I'll be with you. Don't, you, you. Many of us sit here and think I'm not smart enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I don't have enough Bible knowledge. I don't know how to pray. I don't know all these things. He says, you know what? You trust me. I'm the one that's going to do the work. You just step out and you start the process. I will do the work. I will be the one. I'll give you the words. I'll come in behind you. How many of you know this? I, I, I've been in prayer meetings. If you're in a prayer meeting with me, I'll just tell you right now. Here's one thing I don't want to hear you say. Oh, great praying. Don't say that. I hate it i mean, a prayer meeting with people and somebody prays and, nobody, and then somebody prays and you hear someone go, oh yeah, great praying, great praying. I think, well, what was the other one? It was a great prayer too, wasn't it? What is prayer? It's just communication from your heart to your father. There's no magic words. Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisees who think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Just get to the point. Ask your father what you need. Pray to your father. But we go out in faith. Jesus said, go out in faith. And the fourth thing we looked at in terms of getting ready for the journey was it where to go with focus. Jesus said, if you're on your way, don't stop and greet people on the way. Just go to where I'm sending you. He wasn't saying be rude to people and ignore people. What he was saying was this mission is so important, don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. The salvation of humanity, the saving of, of souls, the, 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 the plundering of hell and population of heaven is the most important thing that any of us will ever be a part of on planet Earth. It's that simple. If heaven and hell are real, if we really believe that stuff, what could be more important than to be used in some way, shape or form by the Lord to lead somebody to the Father? I can't think of anything more important and more valuable than that process. So that was last week, getting ready for the journey. This week, I want to talk about, so what do we do when we get there? What do we do when we get there? Luke chapter 10, 1 to 9. The Lord now chose 72... Or 70, other disciples, and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. God understands it's scary, He understands it's tough, He understands there'll be rejection involved, He understands that. He said, I'll send you out like lambs among wolves. A good shepherd, you would think, doesn't send a lamb amongst a wolf pack. But he says, you know what? Normally, everything else talks about God as a shepherd. He keeps us from those situations. The Bible, time and time again, he says, I'm a good shepherd. I'll keep you away from that. I'll lead you to good places. But in this one instance, he said, the mission is so important that I can't shield you. I can't protect you. You've just got to make the choice to go because the mission is so important. You need to go. i send you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. Don't stop and greet anyone on the road. And then verse 5. He says, Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. Those who live there are peaceful. The blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So last week we looked at getting ready for the journey. This week. What do we do when we get there? Well, number one, we've got to determine to be a blessing. Determine to be a blessing. It says in verse five, wherever you enter someone's house first, say, may God's peace be on this house. We need to make a decision and determine that our life, we're going to be a blessing to the people around us. How many of you woke up this morning and you thought about what you need to do today? How many people woke up this morning and in your head maybe you've got a list and you're thinking about what you need to do today. Let me ask you a question. How many woke up this morning and thought about who you're going to be today? How many of us woke up and thought, who am I going to be today? Not many of us. We don't think like that. We think about the task and the list and the to-dos. Yet, you know, what's more important than what you do, it's who you are when you do it. It's who you are when you do it. Jesus says, make sure that you're a blessing. When you go out into the community, when, when God releases us, even then, have we determined that we are going to be a blessing to this community in which God has placed us? Have we determined, have you decided that you are going to be a blessing in your workplace? Regardless of how everybody else carries on, you're going to be a blessing. Have you decided in your family, no matter whether your brother or your sister or your mum or your dad, everyone's cranky and arguing, you've decided, hey, when I wake up this morning, I'm going to be a blessing in this place this morning. I'm going to be a blessing to my friends. I'm going to be a blessing to my sports team. I'm going to be a blessing to the bowling club. I'm going to be a blessing wherever I go. I'm going to take this fragrance of the blessing of God, this smell of heaven with me wherever I go. Jesus says, when you go out, he said to the 70, when you go out, say, peace be with you. Bless them. Be a blessing to the community in which you've been put. Be a blessing to the world around you. Matthew 5.16 says this. It says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to who? To everyone. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Letting your light shine is about being a visible blessing to those around you. He says don't put it under a basket where... Those around you don't benefit. They see that. He says, be like a, a city on a hill. Be like a lampstand. Let what you do provide a light to other people. Let it be a blessing to other people. Don't hide it away. But determine in your heart that you are going to be a blessing. I was watching a, a, a comedian. Anyone ever heard of a guy called Michael Jr.? Anyone heard of Michael Jr.? He's an African-American Christian comedian. But he does the, 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 the circuit, the comedy clubs and everything in the secular world in the States. But he is, let me encourage you, go home, get on YouTube, Michael Jr., and watch some of his stuff. He goes around to churches and things, and some churches have videoed him. He's, he, he, he preaches and shares his story. Amazing, amazing testimony. I, I, I would love to. I'm, I'm praying one day that we're big enough and we've got the finance. I would love to get a guy like that over here because he's genuinely funny. But he gets this really powerful message across. I I was listening to his testimony and he shared a story about how the Lord challenged him one day when he was out there doing his comedy. And God said this to him. He said, instead of going out there to try to get laughs, why don't you go on stage and try to give people an opportunity to laugh? And he talks about how it radically transformed his approach to comedy. So instead of standing on stage, he said, which can be a very selfish thing, comedians themselves will say that, Jerry Seinfeld, I saw an interview where he said that, that it's very selfish, we go out there to get from the crowd, we want you to give to us. And the Lord challenged him, he said, you can go out and get laughs, but how selfish, why don't you go and give people an opportunity to laugh. And I thought, man, that's a, that's a, a great story, a great analogy, or a great picture of going about whatever we do with the mindset and the attitude that I'm not here to get, I'm here to give. I want to be a blessing to you in my workplace, in my family, and so on. It's not about what I can get out of you. I'm thinking all the time, what can I actually give to you? Everyone loves being around people who make them feel good. And that's what blessings look like, that people feel good. And the upshot of being a blessing is that it always turns back on us. We always end up getting something in return anyway. How great would it be to be known as a church that is a blessing to the community? I don't, I, churches are known for different things. I would love, when, when people in the community think about Arise, I'd love them to go, oh, Arise, they're a real blessing to this community. They're an asset to our community. They care about our community. They give to the community. They're giving back to the community. That's my vision. That's what I want to see here. And it starts with each of us individually determining in our hearts we're going to be a blessing. And that's what Jesus said. When you go, take peace. Go into a place and go, peace with you. Let's be a blessing for the community in which God has put us. Second thing that Jesus says we need to do when we get there, is build relationships. Verse 7. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. Don't move around from house to house to house. He said find a place, stay there. To me, that speaks of building relationships. Build relationships with people. You know what? I think as believers, if I can broad brush, we're pretty good at building relationships with other people in the church. Many of us are not real good at putting the same time of energy and effort into building relationships outside the church. I'm not saying everybody's like that, but I'm saying we put a lot of time and energy into our relationships within the church. But a lot of us, when we get saved, we kind of pull back from the rest of the world and we no longer have that level of relationship and so on with people. Now, sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we need to do that because we need to break away to get away from habit patterns and get away from thought processes and things. Sometimes we need to do that, but not always. We don't always have to do that. But here, Jesus is saying, when you go into these places, build relationship. You know, there's nothing better, I don't think, way of building a relationship with someone than sharing a meal. Okay? I love sitting down with people and eating. And, I mean, you can probably tell. I love sitting down, eating with people, because there's something about sharing a meal together that kind of brings, brings uh, barriers down. Uh, uh, I just think it's a relaxing... Environment. It's, it, to some degree, it's kind of an intimate thing. I'm only going to have a couple of meals a day and I want to share that, that little space of time with you. I think there's a bit of intimacy about doing that. I remember when we first moved to India and uh, we moved into a Muslim colony and it was Passover. So, you know, we got there and we've shuffled all our furniture and all around the community, bah, 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 all these lambs in people's yards and then it just went, bah, bah, bah. all at the same time, they got rid of at the same time. And this went from a bleating community to dead silence. Anyway, that night, me and Jackie have come out of our little thing. We had this little um, house-type thing with a little gate, and we opened up the gate, and it creaks. And these neighbours over here saw us. Oh, what are you doing? You must be coming. Come and share the meal with us. So we went, okay, no worries. We're new in this community. We want to meet some people. So we went over. We go in there, and they, oh, my goodness. The food was amazing. We were sitting down on the floor, no table, big mat, just food everywhere and enjoying this fantastic meal of Passover lamb that they've, they've slaughtered um, and, you know, people serving us. It was wonderful. The smells. Got up from there we met some lovely people and you know, all these Muslim people are asking us, what are you doing in our community? Why are you here? Uh, one person actually just got his fingers in my face and said, what are you propagating to my people? <laughs> I just want to tell them we love them. Jesus does anyway. <laughs> anyway, we finish that meal, we get up, we open it. we go out and we're full. It's a great feeling. We're happy. We're thinking, this has been great. We've met a family. Walked over, we latched the gate and opened it, and it makes this big creaking noise again. From over there. Hey! What are you doing? Come and have a meal with it. Okay, so we close the gate. We don't want to be rude, so we come over there and we go into this room with them. And here it is, big mat on the ground, smells, the flavours, the whole family's there. We're getting served, we're eating beautiful spices and all kinds of things. And by the time it finished, I mean, we were, we were struggling. It was like, that's oh, wow, that's huge, I won't eat for a week. So we got up and we dismissed ourselves. We go back to the gate, we unlock it. Ah! What do you think happens? Hey, you, what are you doing? and. Oh, I think we went to about 15 houses. And we couldn't refuse to eat because of the culture. It would have been rude. And we're just going place to place to place. We had about 15. By the end of it, we got out of there. We were like in camo gear. We were in camouflage. We didn't open the gate. We climbed over the wall because there's no way we're going to get caught by somebody else again. But there's something beautiful about having a meal with people and getting to know people. And Jesus said, when you go there, stay in the one place. Build relationships with people. John 17, 15, Jesus praying for uh, believers... He prays this. He says, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. And I think sometimes as Christians, we feel like the holy thing to do is take ourselves completely out of the world. Now, like I said before, I get that. Sometimes we need to. We might be very weak in an area and there might be relationships that are no good and there might be time where we need to sever some of that stuff and move away. But at some point, some point we should be able to get to a place where we're strong enough in the Lord to at least have some relationships with people outside of church, relationships where we're strong enough not to compromise on our values, compromise on who we are and compromise on what we stand for. Amen? If we completely, if the church, here's the thing, if, if Jesus didn't want us to have any relationship with the world, we would get saved and hit by a bus on the same day. We'd be gone. No chance of failing. We're up there with him, but he doesn't. He leaves us here for a reason. He leaves us here for a purpose, and that is to reach out to the world around us. See, one of the things we're not going to do here at Arise, I'll make a promise to you. I'm not going to make our calendar that busy, that you have no time for relationships outside the church. We won't do it. If you're sitting back waiting for us to fill your week with programs, and it's not going to happen, people. We will not make you so busy with church stuff that you cannot connect with the world out there. Because, you know, I love what A.W. Tozer says about the church. Uh, He uses this analogy. He says, the church is not a place to bring the unsaved people to get saved. He said, the church is a refueling station for the saints to go into, get filled up with gas and then turn around and go back out into the world. That's what he says the church is. I know today when we read church books, there's so much, what is the church? What's it for? Is it for the Christians, for the non-Christians, Are seeker-friendly? Are we not seeker-friendly? Do we have this freedom, that liberty? There's all that kind of stuff. All I want to say here is that we're not going to make it that busy that you don't have time for relationships outside of the church. I'd be disappointed if someone come to me and said, you know, I'm so busy with the church. I'm so busy with the program, so busy with it that I can't reach people out there. My first thing I'm going to say to you is drop some church stuff. Drop it because you've got to be able to connect out there in the world because God wants to use you. God wants to use you out there outside the walls of the church. Number three, what are we going to do when we get there? He says, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. In verse eight, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever's set before you. Verse nine, heal the sick. Heal the sick. Now that's an important one for me. It doesn't just speak about the power of God. And I believe in the power of God. I believe in healing, miracles, signs, wonders. I believe in all. I believe it's not just for the third world. I believe it for Australia. It's for Ganelabar and it's for today and it's for right now. I believe that with all my heart. There's not one part of me that doesn't believe that. But he's not just talking about that. When I read Heal the Sick, he's speaking about meeting people's needs. What do you think Jesus was doing when he opened the eyes of a blind man? What do you think is a blind man's number one need at the time? What does he think is his number one need? Wouldn't mind seeing. What is Jesus doing when he touches a leper and heals a leper? A leper, someone who's been removed from their community, from their family, and thrown out in isolation with other lepers because they're unclean and can't be done. What do you think a leper's probably, if you were to ask them, what's your number one need? What do you think they would say? I think they would probably say, well, I don't want to be a leper anymore. I want to be back in with my family. When Jesus hid people, when Jesus delivered people, another way of looking at it was he was meeting a felt need. You see, there are two types of needs in humanity. One is a felt need, and one is the real need. Now, we all know, sitting in the walls of this building today, we would all agree the real need of humanity is connection with God. Amen. The real need, the core need for every human being is reconnected to the Father through, through the cross, through Jesus. That's the real need. But how many of you know people out there aren't thinking about the real need? That's not their worldview, But they're thinking about a whole bunch of felt needs that they have in their world right now. I don't have enough money to buy groceries. My car is broken and I can't get it fixed. My daughter won't speak to me and she's run off with a man and I don't know how to cope with it. The world is full Of felt needs. And Jesus would often meet the felt needs of a person, and in doing so, he would open up their heart to the good news. My favorite story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, is the story of this uh, little man called uh, Zacchaeus. Ever know the story? We we don't know much about Zacchaeus. We know that he was a Jew, but we know that he was working for the enemy, and we know that the Romans didn't like him because he wasn't Roman, but they were just using him. We know that his own people, the Jews, didn't like him because he was pilfering taxes off them and more than he should have. So he's kind of a bit of a despised guy. So much so that when Jesus comes to town, the Bible says that he couldn't even find space. People just went, shoulder to Zacchaeus, get shoulder, to... don't even let him see him. So he had to climb a sycamore tree. And he's standing up in this tree and Jesus is walking through and Jesus stops. And the Bible says he looked up at Zach and he said, Zach, I'm going to go and have a meal at your house. Great evangelism tactic, hey? Eh? Just walk up to a stranger and say, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Just see what God does. I'm coming to your house. Zach comes down, goes into the house. And at the end of that, sitting around having a meal, Zacchaeus says, I'm going to pay back everyone I've cheated. And his life is transformed. He has a conversion experience. Why? Because what do you think a felt need of a man like that would have been? I think maybe acceptance. Somebody to like him maybe. Romans hated him. The Jews hated him. And here comes along Jesus, the one that everyone's looking up to, And Jesus says, I like you so much so I'm going to have a meal in your house. So God, Jesus would meet felt needs and meeting felt need would open people up to their real need. And so we look around the community and what are the felt needs in our community? What are the felt needs of the people that you're in contact with right now? How can you be used of God to help meet some of those felt needs? And in doing so, perhaps open up a heart to their real need. There's a great story by a woman called Jackie Pullinger. Anyone aware of Jackie Pullinger? She went into Kowloon, the walled city in, uh, in China, back when it was a, a drug den. The triads ran it, drugs everywhere and so on. And Jackie jumped on a boat. She was a, 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 a young girl, missionary, and she, the Lord told her to get on a boat. She didn't know where she was getting off. And she went port to port. And when she got there to China, she felt like the Lord said, get off. She got off. And she ended up with this amazing work in this place called the Walled City. And uh, I heard a story that she shared once. She said that after she'd been there for many years and the power of God was moving through her, people that were heroin addicts had been addicted to heroin for 20 years. She would pray for them. They would, they would be set free from the heroin addiction with no cold turkey and no nothing. And, and word got around and she was protected. Here's this, 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 this um, uh, European woman who could walk around the walled city with drug members and triads and gangs and everything all through it, a place where nobody else would go. And she was protected because she was Jackie, and everybody knew that God was this, this little woman. And one day an American pastor came over and take, it, take you through the city. So he took this guy into, into the city, and she, would, she went into this place, and she prayed with this poor old lady over here that was struggling with something, and went over and did a Bible study with these people and prayed for that one. Ended up in this little uh, uh, like coffee den type thing in the walled city, and they're sitting down. And while Jackie's sitting there with this American pastor on the other side, this man comes up, and in Chinese, he's making these noises. I want him to pretend to make Chinese sounds. I know I can't speak Chinese, but he's going, you know, China, Chinese, 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 Chinese. It's the best I can do. <laughs> Chinese, Chinese. And this pastor's sitting there going, okay, I, um, I, I've seen Jackie all day. I think I know how to handle this. And so he turns around, and he starts to, through an interpreter, go, uh, you know, let me share with you about the love of Jesus. And, the, and this guy keeps on going, Chinese, 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 Chinese. And in the end, the pastor got frustrated. And he turned to Jackie and said, Jackie, what is he saying to me? He's not listening to what I'm saying. What is he trying to say? And she said this. She said, he's saying to you, I can't hear you. I'm hungry. I can't hear you. I'm hungry. In other words, meet my felt need and I'll probably be able to listen. Sometimes I think we can be guilty of that as a church. We don't acknowledge and realize that there are real needs. There are real problems and issues people are facing. How can we help them battle those needs? How can we help them find resolution in some of these other areas? In doing so, we can open them up. See, I think sometimes people get so swamped, don't they? There's so much pressure in today's society, so much demand. The people just don't have time to think about their real need. There are too many other things that are impacting me right now Then you come along and tell me to think about something that's going to impact me down the track maybe when I die, which could be 10, 20, 50 years. I don't know when that's going to be. And you want me to deal with that and worry about that now? I've got so much stuff going on now. We can help people where we can, with wisdom, to to hit those, those felt needs. I think we'd be amazed at what God can do in terms of opening them up to the real need. So what do we do when we go? What do we do when we get there? Number one, we determine to be a blessing. Number two, we build relationships. Number three, we meet people's needs. And the last one's very simple. We share with them the good news. In verse 9, he says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. At some point in that journey, you know what, I, what I, I stands out to me in Matthew 5, the verse we looked at a second ago, 517, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good deeds, glorify your Father in heaven. You know, something stood out to me when I was in India. I met some wonderful, wonderful Muslim people. They cared for each other in their community. They met each other's felt needs, built community, they did things together. At no point did I see a Muslim doing that and I glorified my Father in heaven because their Father was not my Father. How are they going to glorify your Father in heaven if they don't know who your Father in heaven is? If we haven't been open enough to go, hey, you know what? Yeah, me and Jesus, we're on a time. Yep, I'm one of those Christ followers. I'm a Jesus person. You know? How many times do we sit there and the opportunity comes? To bring that to the fore, to just be upfront and honest and go, yeah, look, but we kind of go, I'll just hold it back. I'll just keep it back. And people just go away going, wow, he's a wonderful person, but they don't know why you're a wonderful person. She's a great lady, but they don't know why you're a great lady. Well, let me tell you something. I am who I am by the grace of God. It's the grace of God at work within me. That's the reason why I care for you. If it wasn't for the grace of God in my life, I wouldn't care about your need. I'll just be consumed with my own needs, my own life, my own wants, my own desires. But because of the grace of God inside of me, my relationship with my Father, I've got time for you. And I've got energy for you and encouragement for you. And I'll help you and I'll walk alongside you and I'll be with you. At some point, we have to be honest and open about our faith to other people. Otherwise, they'll never understand their need for him. They'll never understand the motivation behind why are we who we are. It's not that we're doing this so that you will come to Jesus. I'm not manipulating you. I'm not doing this just so you get saved. But it's that important that you meet my God. But I'll do this anyway, but I want you to know why I'm doing it. What you do with that information is your business. But I just want you to know I'm motivated by a higher power. I'm motivated by the love of a creator that's madly, passionately in love with you. And, and I'm here in your life right now meeting this need as an expression of him to you because he wants you to come to know him because he cares for you because he loves you. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, I'll finish with this. I shared this a few weeks ago. The book of John, chapter 12, verse 42. Every time I read it, I just think this has got to be one of the saddest expositions of humanity that I've ever read about. In John 12, verse 42, it says, Many people did believe in Jesus, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. They believed in him, but they just wouldn't let it be known publicly because they were afraid of what would happen to them. You know, some Christians live their whole life in, this, in a shell of fear afraid to crack it open and just declare to the world, you know what, yep. I know that Christians look kooky and I know you've got weird views and I know you think this and you think that, but you know what, I'm just going to be up front. I am one. I am one. One of the things I loved about uh, Jackie when she took this new job on at, uh, at the Ramada, one of the first things she did when she got in there, she told them, hey, I'm just going to put it out there, I'm a Christian. Straight away, let's get that awkward thing out the way. I'm just going to let you know. Now they watch her and now they've got a bit of an understanding. Why are you such a nice person? Why do you listen when we talk? Why do you care? Why are you interested in my life outside of what I do here? Why do you, why do you, they understand straight away. She's got this relationship with God. It's amazing the people at her work who come up to her now on the quiet. And my brother's a pastor. Uh, my, my uncle's a, a, a minister. Um, my, my, my sister texted me today and said she's praying for me because she's married to a Christian guy you know all these things she wouldn't know about it if she wasn't just honest and open about the fact that you know what I am a believer I am a Christian Matthew ten thirty two and 33 Jesus makes it very clear to us he says that if, if you deny me before men if you're not that honest about it and if you're not that committed to me that you don't mind people no, if you deny me before men he says guess what I'll deny you before my father Hard words, harsh words, really harsh words, but it's in the Bible and we can't ignore it and pretend it's not there. If you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So when we get there, what are we going to do when we get there? We're going to do four things. Number one, we're going to determine to be a blessing to the world around us, amen, to the people around us. Secondly, we're going to build relationships. We're going to put the time and energy into building genuine relationships with people because people are important. Thirdly, we're going to meet the needs of people. If it's in our capacity to do it, we're going to meet the needs of people around us. In so doing that, we let our lights shine. And fourthly, when the opportunity arises and they open up and they ask us why, we're going to be prepared to say, well, let me tell you why. Because there's a God in heaven who loves you. And that's why I'm doing this. Amen? Is that what we can aim for? Is that realistic? Is that us? Is that a rise? I hope it is. Because that's the kind of church we're praying for. And that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And that's the kind of church I want to lead. Amen? Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for the examples that we have of men and women in the Bible. Thank you for examples that we have of men and women in history that have taken seriously the call of God to go into all the world and to preach the good news. And Lord, I just pray for each of us here, Father, that, Lord, as we walk out of this place, that we would go with a mentality not just what do we, what do we need to do, but I pray that we would go and we'd be asking the question, who do we need to be when we do it? God, that we will determine to be a blessing, that we take time to build relationships. And point us in the right direction with those relationships that are in our world for those reasons, God. Point us to those people, God. Let us be a blessing. Let us build those relationships, God. Open our eyes to the felt needs of the world around us. God, make us the kind of people that can't just walk past it. God, not the kind of people that just say, oh, we pray for you, go in peace. But Jesus, you said, no, don't do that. If you can help someone, you help someone. Let us be those people and finally give us the courage to be honest and upfront about why we are the people that we are and why uh, we so uh, want to bless this community why we want to build relationship why we want to know people god why we want to help them because we love you and you've done all that for us and so father for the next week i pray for each of us in this room god as we go about our work our play our business everything that we do i pray this week in the next seven days give each one of us an opportunity to share the reality of jesus with someone that doesn't yet know you And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We will uh, please be praying. Remember, pray for us. 12.30. I'm meeting with these people, so please pray for us at 12.30. Big uh, uh, meeting regarding the building, and hopefully some things will shift and things will happen. Otherwise, we'll see you in connect groups during the week, or we'll catch up with you somewhere around the place. I will be praying for you, as we do every week, because you're a great bunch of people, and we've got a great mission and a great God.